You're now listening to Binge Brew Brain Podcast, the show that teaches simple neuroscience-based strategies to ending overeating, binge eating, emotional eating, and yo-yo dieting. I'm Natalia, your host, and I'm here to help you create wellness without the obsession. Let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Thursday. It's been a couple of days since I announced the winners of the giveaway for the Binge Pro Brain coaching program. So congratulations to winners. And of course, uh, thank you everybody who participated. And this uh, giveaway got me thinking a little bit. So I'm totally happy with all the people who applied, but I also asked myself, why weren't there even more applications? Because Definitely more people listen to this podcast, more people saw the posts on Instagram. So why uh, the percentage of people who applied, why isn't it higher? As we know, you miss 100% of shots you don't take. So it got me thinking, that's why in today's episode, I would like to share with you reasons why you may be afraid to recover. All the reasons why you don't want to overcome binge eating, why you don't want to sign up for coaching, why you didn't take part in a giveaway, why you don't sign up for a free breakthrough sessions on Zoom that I also offer, and why you didn't register for the masterclass and so on. So uh, in today's episode, I want to talk to you about possible roadblocks to your recovery And spoiler alert, it is not your fault. It is just your sneaky eating disorder voice. So we all know that binge eating is considered to be a self-sabotage, but not reaching out for help. I think it's another form of self-sabotage, but also self-protection. Because apparently binge eating gives you something. Your eating disorder is there to help you survive something. So we need to figure out why you are afraid to recover. And today I want to give you eight surprising reasons why you may not want to recover. And the first reason is because of fear of losing safety net, fear of getting out of your safety bubble. So we all know that all humans have this reptilian part of their brain and those primitive parts of your brain, they do prefer predictable things, predictable actions, behaviors. They just like to know what's coming. And there's a quote I really like saying that people prefer known hells to unknown heavens. So we tend to remain in patterns that are familiar to us. And people find themselves in repetitive, abusive cycles, especially if you grew up in a dysfunctional family. So for you, certain behaviors will be normal to you, even though they are abusive. And because what you went through in your childhood, it just contributes to your construction of of your belief system. So this abusive behavior, it it is predictable. That's why in uh, in the future, even after you grew up and you know that you know what is abuse you may still yourself you may still find yourself in that abusive cycle that maybe you are finding a life partner 
who has the same type of behavior like your parents have. Let's say that your parents were alcoholic and they were abusive to you. You may find yourself to looking for the same qualities in your partner. So again, because your primitive brain, there are parts of you that are looking for those uh, predictable patterns of behavior. So for you, maybe safe, uh, supportive partner is unknown for you. So you are going to be afraid to uh, to engage with that kind of person. But coming back to eating disorder behaviors, eating disorder behaviors are predictable. Binge eating habit cycle is predictable, which means that it is safe because you know it. So when you want to recover from, from an eating disorder, you're getting better. It also means that you are walking into the unknown especially if you've been suffering from an eating disorder since your childhood. So you just don't know how you're going to cope with stress without food. How are you going to fulfill your time if you wouldn't have to think about food all this time? And of course, logically, you know that living without an eating disorder is easier and better. But those fears fears I'm talking about in today's episode, those are irrational fears. Those are fears that you don't even maybe realize that they are there. We could say that they are in a way, you know, subconscious. <laughs> I don't like to use that that word, but uh, those fears, you may have them, but you may not realize that you have them. And of course, you, your essence, your prefrontal cortex, it's not afraid. This is the logical part of your brain. This is the part of you that knows that uh, life without eating disorder is so much better. But there is also this part of you uh, and that, that reptilian brain. And this part of you prefers predictable things and is afraid of novelty. This part of you has those habits. So maybe reaching towards food helps you with something. It helps you not to feel urges. It helps you to distract you from other problems in your life. It gives you a purpose in your life, right? Because you have to fight or you have to uh, lose weight or something like that. So sometimes your eating disorder became becomes a scapegoat for everything wrong that happens in your life because you give yourself those excuses. For example, oh yeah, I didn't get this job because... I'm, you know, I'm preoccupied with this eating disorder thing and also I'm gaining weight. Uh, you may also think that, oh, this boy doesn't love me back because I'm, I'm having those sneaky eating disorder behaviors and also I'm gaining weight. So that's definitely uh, the reason. Maybe you also didn't participate or didn't win in some kind of like drawing competition because you know that you didn't devote enough time to practicing your drawing skills. And again, you're going to blame your eating disorder. So oftentimes eating disorder is also this the safety net and it becomes a scapegoat for all uh, failures that you have in your in your life so eating disorder is a safety net it reduces your life so much that you don't need to make any risky decisions you don't have to go out of your comfort zone because food thoughts they just consume you that you are constantly thinking about food and about uh, the size of your body so losing eating disorder would mean that you would have to finally 
maybe even start from scratch your life in terms of your career, relationships, living situations. And, and that's really scary. And another reason why eating disorder may be your safety net is because you know that you have support of other people. So maybe right now in your environment, there are some people who know about your eating disorder and they care about you. They offer support. They often check in with you. And you also know that uh, before an eating disorder, nobody cared for you. Like nobody saw your suffering until you had an eating disorder. So now you are afraid of being, being alone with all of your feelings and problems if your eating disorder would be solved. Another fear that keeps you in an eating disorder cycle is fear of being human. And I know that sounds a little bit weird, but I want you to know that when you get that urge to binge, it's probably there because you felt something. Maybe you felt restlessness, maybe you felt anger, stress, desire for food, urge, loneliness. You know, those are the feelings you felt and you reached out for food in order to stop feeling them. So food helps you numb out. So you may not want to recover because you are scared of your own human experience. And again, logically, you know that it's safe. You know that feeling your feelings is good for you, that feelings don't kill you. But when you feel those intense feelings, you instinctively want to run away. This is the main purpose of all feelings. Feelings drive action, especially we can see it in the animal kingdom, that all feelings are there to drive actions. Feelings are messengers that something is happening, something needs to change. Nowadays, in our modern world, we, we are not always able to freely act on our feelings. Also, our feelings often come from imaginary scenarios, so it's not that easy to solve them. Also, as a society, we are learned to stuff our feelings. We don't express them. But then unexpressed feelings eat us from the inside. And because feelings are often associated with like limbic system, that also means that your animal brain, more primitive parts of your brain, they don't want you to recover because nobody taught you how to safely feel and express your feelings. And remember that those primitive parts of your brain, they want to keep you safe. They want you to avoid pain, seek pleasure and exert as little effort as possible. So when you cannot use food as an emotional crutch, finally some feelings will come up to the surface and then you don't know what to do with them because again, nobody taught you how to safely feel and, and express your feeling. And we all know that human life consists of thoughts and feelings and all the experiences that happen to us. So maybe you don't want to recover because that means facing your thoughts, facing your feelings, asking yourself this difficult questions like, why is it so hard to let go of restriction for me? Why do I believe about myself that I'm broken? Why do I believe that something bad would happen if I would let myself, um, I don't know, gain weight or something like that? The good news is, though, that they all pass 
away. All of the thoughts and feelings, they arise, but then they fade away. There are healthier ways to deal with thoughts and feelings. You don't have to turn towards eating disorder to deal with them. Another fear that prevents you from uh, healing your relationship with food is fear of losing your identity. And this is something that I definitely struggle with in the past. And personally for me, those were two major identity crises. So uh, first time during my uh, eating disorder, I mean, after my relapse, you know, I gained weight. So which meant that I went from very fit and healthy person who was also passionate about nutrition and healthy lifestyle, I went from that person to depressed and suicidal binge eater who gained uh, a lot of weight, who was overweight, who didn't want to exercise. So that was the the first um, major uh, identity crisis for me. But also then recovery, recovering from that was another identity crisis because I didn't know who I am. I knew that I had a passion for nutrition, but during my eating disorder, I didn't allow myself to pursue that passion because I thought like, okay, who am I to talk about nutrition since I'm struggling with food myself and also I'm overweight. Like this, this just doesn't match up. Nobody would like to uh, n- nutritional advice from somebody who's not a perfect picture of health. So again, after recovery, I had another identity crisis, like, okay, who I am? Can I even say that? Can I admit to people that I used to have an eating disorder because I was afraid? Uh, At the beginning, I was really, really afraid that I'm going to relapse again. So that was the whole thing. And part of binge eating recovery is working on who you are without an eating disorder. Because right now you, you might struggle with, with who you are. You know, what, what do you like? What do you dislike? You may not be in touch with yourself and with uh, your body. And there are two types of identity crises I would like to talk about. So first identity crisis is when people actually don't know that you suffer from an eating disorder and they don't know that you are going through the recovery or that you recovered. Because in our society, we oftentimes receive positive external feedback for unhealthy behaviors. So maybe in the times of your eating disorder, you were avoiding sugar, you were eating salads for every meal, you were at the gym for a couple of hours a day, like five, six times a week and so on. And you received a lot of positive feedback about that. Like people were admiring your self-discipline. They were, yeah, you were maybe an inspiration to other people. So by recovering, by letting go of those disordered behaviors, uh, you may face the identity crisis because, okay, who are you if you are not that fit girl? Uh, you might be worrying that people will think about you uh, differently. Maybe they're going to stop, uh, start asking questions like, oh my God, so you are not eating keto anymore? Oh my God, so you're eating sugar now? Come on, what happened? So you might be afraid of uh, judgment from other people. But there is also uh, other type of identity crisis uh, when people know that you struggle with eating disorder. So maybe when you are in the midst of your eating disorder, you 
feel special, you feel unique, you feel like you are better than other people because maybe you can exert more self-discipline. I don't know about you, but in a way I felt that eating disorder made me special and unique in some kind of way. I still felt like it's not the eating disorder I would like to have, like I would prefer to have um, anorexia, right? Those were That, that was real eating disorder and <laughs> that was the eating disorder I would like to have. But still, it felt in a way unique. So when other people know that you're struggling with eating disorder, they offer you support. They often check in with you. They often ask and care. So again, this is something I, I mentioned in a previous point that maybe you are afraid of losing that, that safety net. You are afraid of losing let's say, losing attention from other people. I know that um, eating disorders are not um, a way to seek attention in other people, but I don't know how to explain it. Well, there is something, right? Right now, I have a friend who is going through a tough time. And you know what? I found myself reaching out to her like almost every day, right? But before that, I wouldn't reach out to her as often because something's going on. Therefore, I'm checking in with her more often. And the same, I think, is with people with eating disorders. Like when we know that somebody struggles with an eating disorder, we're gonna pay a little bit more attention to them. We're gonna ask. And with it, if we think that they are okay, they're just doing their own thing and they are perfectly happy, we do not feel uh, that need to check in with them. Uh, with them. <laughs> okay, so that, that's, that's what I meant, saying that, um, that, you know, you don't want to By recovering from eating disorder, you may lose that that safety net from other people. You may lose that support you had. But what I want you to know is that all eating disorders lie to you. They steal from you. They shrink your, your life. They reduce you to what you eat and how you look like. Your life can be much more than this. Also, if you are afraid of figuring out, you know, who are you without an eating disorder, let me tell you, we as humans, we are always trying to figure it out. Who are we? It, it's never, it never changes. Even if you're going to look at your, your parents, you think that they are stable. But if you're going to look closely, you're going to notice that throughout the years, They also changed a lot. We are always changing. We are always evolving. And that's perfectly normal. We, we're supposed to change. Change is the only constant in life. One more thing I want to tell you is that it is also okay if people's opinion about you change too. It's okay if they thought that Previously, you were a very fit girl and right now you are a couch potato. It's okay. It's okay if that means for you that your physical and mental health is actually better when you let go of all of those uh, eating disorder behaviors, then you are better like this, no matter what other people think about it. Another fear that keeps you stuck in your eating disorder is fear of body changes. And I think that this point doesn't require too much explanations. We all know what I'm talking about. There is this myth that binge eating recovery requires weight gain. I already did a podcast episode about um, losing weight during 
eating disorder recovery, something like that. So maybe listen to that podcast episode. But uh, that fear of body changes, it has two sides. So we are afraid of gaining weight, but we are afraid also of uh, losing weight. So I, I, I presume that you are very familiar with fear of gaining weight because we believe that gaining weight means something about us. So probably you are afraid that... Uh, what if you relax and then you can't stop putting on weight? So that's totally normal. And this fear is influenced by the society we live in and the societal norms. But there's also other fear, fear of losing weight. And this fear might be a little bit more subconscious, let's say uh, it that way. And this fear of weight loss is related to trauma, especially trauma related to sexual abuse because being overweight in a way keeps you safe because oftentimes at least stereotypes say that men would stay away from you when you are overweight because they may find you less attractive and think about how it looks like in the animal kingdom again let's say cats when they want to look scary, when they don't want you to approach them, they're going to make themselves puffy. They're going to make themselves look bigger. They're going to arch their back and they're going to, they, their hair going to stand up. So animals make themselves bigger to look stronger. And the same thing may happen with your body. You actually put on weight, maybe to as a way to protect yourself. Maybe because you were bullied as a kid, you wanted to look bigger to look stronger. We, we, in a way, we, some people may want to feel secure by building a fatty wall around themselves. I know that it sounds a little bit uh, crazy, but actually, yeah, I've read that that there is this uh, some kind of association that it might be true. It might be more like subconscious subconscious thing people do. So in that way, losing weight can make you vulnerable. Therefore, you're going to keep binge eating. You're going to keep overeating because you don't want to make yourself vulnerable. Well, probably you you think that you want to lose weight, but also you're going to self-sabotage yourself because you know that being bigger makes you safer. Maybe you also... Um, maybe. Uh, subconsciously you think that it's going to make you less attractive, therefore less vulnerable to abuse. Also being overweight keeps you from from being expected to do something potentially. Um, I don't know how to, uh, how to explain what I mean, but the thing is that there are some stereotypes about success. So for example, thin people equals success. We often congratulate weight loss. We always assume that weight loss means something good. So when you are overweight, maybe expectations towards you are a little bit lower. I remember when I was overweight and had had acne and I was depressed, I could blame my weight and my appearance uh, for my failures. What I mean by that is that in my head, there were those sentences like, oh, of course they wouldn't hire an obese person or overweight person. And you may have those those thoughts as well. 
You may be thinking like, oh, of course they wouldn't date me since I'm an obese person. Of course I wouldn't success as an actress because I'm fat, right? So instead of like working harder towards your goal, you find an excuse why this is uh, happening. Because when you are skinny, attractive, it's way harder to blame your appearance for your potential potential failures. So when you are overweight, it's it's easier to uh, to just blame your appearance for your failures instead of like going inside you and and look for the real reason why you failed. <laughs> I don't know if I <laughs> express myself correctly. Maybe you understand. Maybe you don't. Let's go to the next point. Another reason why you may not want to recover is fear of feeling out of control. So one theory says that controlling your food and body is a way of relieving distress. Maybe you feel powerless in the face of life stressors that you have no control over. World feels unsafe. In all this chaos around you, Usually, what you can control is what you eat or don't eat. So dieting, counting calories is a form of gaining control back. Then, control can become a measure of success. The better you are able to regulate your weight and shape, the better must be your self-control, the better is your perceived self-worth. So if control is the way you feel safe in the world. And if control gives you a sense of safety, then losing your eating disorder means feeling out of control. And this feeling out of control, it can have many faces. Because let's say that if you've been striving, uh, starving for a while and your body is hungry, you are afraid of losing control over your food intake. You believe that if you give yourself unconditional permission to eat, you will never stop eating. And apart from the fear of uncontrollable hunger, there's also fear of losing control over your body, losing control over your identity, losing control of your emotions. So at the beginning, binge eating is all about control. You want control. You control your food. Um, you control how much you eat. But then there's this binge eating, which is out of control eating. But at the beginning, eating disorder, binge eating is all about control. And the irony is that the longer you are brewing in eating disorder thoughts and behaviors, the less control you have. Because eating disorder starts controlling you. So eating disorder control is an illusion. You may believe that you have to stay in your eating disorder because in that way you have control, but this is an illusion because in actuality, eating disorder controls you. And recovery is all about taking your control back by actually loosening, loosening up some rules, feeling more relaxed around food, letting go of restrictive eating, restrictive mindset. Another fear that keeps you from recovering is fear of feeling embarrassed. Because maybe during your eating disorder, you were engaging in other unpleasant behaviors like stealing food or money, sneaking to the kitchen when you said that you're just going to the bathroom. Maybe you were lying about 
expiry dates of certain products just so that you can eat them or maybe you were lying about spoiled food you you told somebody like hey i throw this I had to throw it away because it was spoiled, but actually you binged on it. Uh, maybe you also abused laxatives. Maybe you were purging. So things eating disorder makes us do, they're oftentimes very embarrassing. And for many people, part of recovery is telling someone, is sharing your secrets, is telling your coach or your therapist what you did. Also, it's not about telling other people, but also being honest with yourself. You have to stop lying to yourself because maybe right now you haven't been honest with yourself. Maybe you've been telling yourself that, oh, it's just overeating. I'm doing it just, I don't know, once a week. So it's not a problem. Uh, so this fear of feeling embarrassed may keep you in an eating disorder because you're just not looking straight at your uh, behavior. Eating disorder is a secret. secret, And um, we usually have secrets because we feel ashamed of them, of what we did. We feel embarrassed. So all I want you to know is that you didn't choose it. Eating disorder is not a choice. You did those things like you stole food or money, uh, you ate somebody's food because of your eating disorder. It's not really you. Those were disordered eating thoughts that drove you to do those things. Uh, and the most important thing I want you to know is that suffering is way worse than embarrassment. So you're going to feel embarrassed about what you did for a couple of minutes but usually the suffering related to an eating disorder lasts way longer. So remember, suffering is worse than embarrassment. If embarrassment keeps you from recovering from, a binge, from binge eating, then you need, to, <laughs> you need to face this fear. <laughs> Another fear that keeps you from recovering from binge eating is fear of being polished. So many people know that in the past I suffered from an eating disorder, from actually several eating disorders, but mainly binge eating. And in real life, it might be problematic. So imagine meeting me in person and let's say that we're going to the restaurant together. So because you know that I suffered from an eating disorder, you may be curious what I'm going to order. And there's the thing, if I'm going to order a salad, maybe you're going to assume that and have thoughts like, oh my God, maybe she's spiraling into restrictive eating. Why she didn't order something else? If I'm going to order free course meal, you're going to maybe make some assumptions like, oh my God, she probably wants to just show off how much she eats and how un unrestrictive she is with, with food. If I'm, if I'm going to order a dessert, you're going to make some kind of assumption. If I'm not going to order a dessert, you're also going to think something. Uh, whether I'm going to li uh, order liquid calories or not, again, maybe you're going to make some assumptions just based on the fact that you know that in the past I had an eating disorder. So you may pay attention to what I eat and you may have some judgments about that. 
So the same is when I go with on a trip with someone, right? They're going to pay attention or, or see what I'm eating, what I'm not eating, just to make sure that I'm okay, right? And I think that many people can relate to that, especially if you are on some kind of specific diet protocol, like paleo, keto, vegan, vegetarian, people will often ask you like, oh my God, so what do you eat? What do you eat for dinner? What do you eat for breakfast? Where do you get your protein from? And so on. So people are just just curious. So when you are in recovery, you also may notice that people just pay more attention to what you eat. And that's often uncomfortable because let's say that you told someone that you are recovering from binge eating, they will be more vigilant about what you eat and what you don't eat. So people will, in a way, watch you because they care, because they they maybe feel responsible in a way for your well-being. So they come from a good intention, but it might be annoying. Maybe they just want to make sure that you are eating regularly, but it will be annoying for you because you're going to feel observed. You're going to feel policed. You're going to be also hypervigilant to their questions. You will feel like people are policing you, that they want to attack you. So let's say that every day in your life, your mom asks you if you want a second serving. So before an eating disorder, you didn't even pay attention to that question. You just brushed it off. You just said like, no, thank you. But during your eating disorder and during eating disorder recovery, you will probably get offended when you hear that question. And you will create a lot of crazy stories about why she asks that. What, what does it mean? Why, why does she do it? You know, because we are hyper vigilant and we, again, create some stories about what other people may think about that, about us and what is their intention. So in these cases, what can help is just educating people how they can help. If you find it helpful when people don't comment about your eating, then you just have to educate them. You have to tell them what you need. Tell them what you need, that they need to listen to just listen or maybe listen to learn and not listen to fix. Because we've got this knee-jerk reaction that whenever there's a problem, we're coming up with solutions. But sometimes it's not about, you know, suggesting suggesting solutions but it's just about listening to what other people have to say and time for the last fear for today and this is fear of failure as i said at the beginning of today's episode you miss 100 percent of shots you don't take which means you can't success unless you try but I flip it a little bit. <laughs> so what I mean is that when you still battle with an eating disorder, it's easy to understand and accept that you still haven't recovered because you didn't even try that hard, right? So by not trying, you keep yourself safe. There's this fear inside you that says that if you try your best and you won't be able to recover anyways, then there's definitely must be something wrong with you and you are broken, you are a failure. So because of that fear of failure, you don't even want to try to recover. After all, you believe that you are broken. 
it's been too many decades, too many therapists, too many self-help books and that you cannot be helped. So sometimes it's easier to just do not put a lot of effort into something because, again, we are afraid of failure. Because what could that mean if we're going to put a 100% effort, 100% commitment, and we're still not going to achieve that? What does it mean about us? Okay, that would be all for today's episode. Please message me which of these fears apply to you. The more I know about your roadblocks to to binge eating recovery, the better I'm able to help. Sometimes I struggle with artist block, creative block, and I don't know what should I be posting about, what should be my next post about, my next podcast episode. So your feedback and questions, they help a lot. You are co-creating this podcast with me, so please share with me what are your biggest problems, how can I help, what do you need me to clarify, what kind of questions do you have. And if you enjoyed today's podcast episode and you want to kick your eating disorder in a butt, then I think that the best place for you to, to do that would be my group coaching program. Please apply today. Even if you're going to fill out the coaching application, even if we're going to hop on a quick uh, free breakthrough session on Zoom, there is still no obligation to enroll. And maybe you've got this fear of uh, feeling embarrassed, feeling humiliated. Then with me, I can create for you a safe space when you can face that fear. You can tell me about all of the embarrassing things your eating disorder made you do and you're gonna feel so much better after sharing that with me. I want to show you that you can face all of those fears that I listed in today's episode and if you really want to get rid of that binge eating uh, voice from your head then definitely applying for a coaching program would be the best action you can take. Thank you so much for listening to me today and see you in the next podcast episode. Bye! If you enjoyed today's episode and you would like to stay in touch with me, make sure to follow Binge Proof Brain on Instagram. And if you are ready to take this material to the next level and apply what you've learned, then go ahead and submit your application for my Binge Proof Brain coaching program. Thank you so much for joining me today and have a great day.